teaching and preaching to impact your heart and spirit. It's going to be part two of this teaching series. So it's not just about food. It's all about the spiritual stuff next Sunday as well. So don't miss that out. Well, we're going to start uh, in 1 Samuel chapter 16. And we're going to look here at this amazing part of scripture where Samuel uh, anoints David. And we're going to look at this part of scripture over the next two weeks and look at some keys that we can we can take away. So if you've got your Bibles, turn to Samuel, 1 Samuel. I should let you know which one. There's two of them. 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verses 1, verse 1. It says, The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? And so Samuel is a prophet. He actually, at this point in time, had resigned, well, semi-resigned. And God wanted to get his attention because uh, Saul wasn't kind of working out as the king of Israel. So the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. Verse 2, but Samuel said, how can I go? Saul will hear about it and kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, Uh, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord, invite Jesse to the sacrifice, and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. So he didn't know who he was going to anoint. At that point in time, he was given the instruction by God that he was going to anoint the new king of Israel, but had no idea who it was. And God said, I'm going to let you know who it is when you get there. So everyone say mystery. It was a mystery to Samuel who was going to be the new anointed prophetic king of Israel. Verse 4, Samuel did what the Lord said. I think that verse right there is a great message, don't you think? Samuel did what the Lord said. I think we could just end the sermon right there and have fish and chips. Samuel did what the Lord said. Who's got a revelation and takeaway right there that obedience will bless your life? Amen. Samuel did what the Lord said. That right there is a message in itself. Amen. Samuel did what the Lord said. Whenever he arrived at Bethlehem, the, uh, the elders of the town trembled. When they met him, they asked, do you come in peace? Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Over the page in my Bible, verse 6. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. Now, Eliab was one of the sons. He was tall. Uh, He was quite of all of the Bible teachers. And he stood out physically. He was a physically impressive man. And so Samuel thought, well, maybe this is the the guy that the Lord is going to anoint. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass by Samuel, before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending to the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until... He arrives. I think that part of scripture is a message for someone as well. Do not sit down until the promise of God arrives. Do not sit down in your life. Do not surrender. Do not give up until the prophetic word manifests before you. Amen. Come on now. Do not sit down until I will not sit down until you bring me that 
son. You know, sometimes the, the promises of God will be a mystery because we don't necessarily know how they will unfold, but that's why we call it faith. Amen? Don't sit down until you see the promise of God manifest. Now, obviously, you need to physically sit down and rest, but we're talking spiritually. Do not sit down. Do not position yourself in a place of spiritual surrender. Stay in that place of victory until the promise of God arrives. Again, we could probably have lunch now, right? But we want to go deeper into the word. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you, Lord, that your word is a two-edged sword. Let it build things in people's lives that need to be built up. Let it cut out things that need to be cut out. I thank you, Lord, that the uh, fruitfulness that comes from this series. Amen. And so this part of scripture is interesting. You know, first of all, let's start with an, an overall anchor point around destiny, uh, because we're going to look at this part of scripture to look at some key ingredients or to break destiny up and look at how destiny unfolded for David, who became King David. Uh, every person here should know, if you don't, I want to encourage you to, to know uh, that there is a reason why you're on this planet, uh, that you have a God-given destiny. Uh, but the, the thing about a God-given destiny is when you walk out destiny, it actually is a messy walk. It's not always smooth sailing. It doesn't always just happen so easily. Uh, it is a fight. It's a good fight of faith. And so, uh, But you do have a destiny. Uh, you're called, and sometimes you have an overall arching life destiny, and sometimes you have different types of destinies depending on what season or, or uh, kind of time zone you are in life. But the problem with destiny is it sometimes gets messed up because it's messy. And uh, so my encouragement to you today is to take from this word some key ingredients that can help us to walk out. Even though destiny is messy, we want to make sure we make something good of the mess. Amen? But here, in this part of scripture, it teaches us that David, in the sight of man, is the least of all the candidates uh, to actually be anointed as king of Israel. So his father's name is Jesse, and he has seven sons from one woman, but what the Bible highlights is that Jesse kind of, uh, you know, in the culture of the day, uh, went and had uh, another son with another woman, and that was David. So David was the half-brother, and uh, he, because he was the half-brother, he didn't have the, the first mother's DNA of all of his other seven brothers. So he physically was very different. His seven brothers were all tall, uh, and they were all that kind of stereotypical, good-looking, tall, dark and handsome, they had olive skin. And David, uh, the Bible says, was rugged, uh, it, what's it, uh, or kind of ruddy. And uh, if you translate ruddy, that kind of means he was red, which kind of means he had red skin uh, or kind of blemish skin. He wasn't olive, and he was short. Okay, it sounds a little bit like me, actually. I've kind of got kind of red blemish skin, uh, and uh, and I'm just definitely not tall. Sarah says to me, "Honey, you're not short. You're just not tall." Okay, so. <laughs> By the way, Sarah sent her love. Unfortunately, our little Zara has tonsillitis, would you believe? So if you could be praying for them, she's had to take her to the hospital this morning. So we're believing for breakthrough there. Amen. But, you know, in this story here, uh, David, uh, when he was conceived, he was conceived out of a regrettable moment, and he was different. He wasn't, uh, you know, he was a half-brother. He was short. uh, He had a different complexion. And when you look at David, for some reason, God decided to choose him, and we're going to look at some of these things, even though he was different. In fact, he was probably what you'd call the runt of the litter. He was probably, you know, when the, when there was cake being cut, he would probably be pushed aside. He was the youngest, he was the shortest. He didn't look like his brothers. He was, he was in fact, uh, a half-brother. He probably would have got pushed aside at the birthday parties and missed out on some of the cake. 
um, he would have felt a lot of rejection. He would have felt completely like he belonged as part of the family. So David is kind of like the, the, the stereotypical example of the low achiever, right, at this particular point. Uh, he's the shepherd boy, but he becomes the greatest king of Israel, or one of the greatest kings of Israel. And in fact, David is so important in the bloodline of the Bible, because uh, when they talk about Jesus in the New Testament, or even when they prophesied about Jesus in the Old Testament, they said that Jesus would be the son of David, that Jesus would actually come from the bloodline of the king of David. So the runt of the litter that got very little accolade was actually chosen by God to be the part of the bloodline of the savior of the world. I mean, who thinks that that's a pretty cool destiny and a pretty cool calling, right? And so he broke every societal mold. He was anointed, he was chosen, he was appointed, but it didn't fit the criteria of man, it fit the criteria of God. It wasn't about appearance, it was about the condition of the heart. That's what God is saying today to us is the DNA of our destiny. The condition of our heart, and not only the condition of it, but the protection of it, the growth of it. Can I tell you what goes in and through your heart will be a key to unlock doors or will be a key that will shut doors? The condition of your heart. So we're going to look at David as a study. We're going to study this Sunday and next Sunday, really the life lessons of David who became one of the greatest kings of Israel. And can I say this, that for you to walk out your destiny in God, you will have to be willing to break some societal stereotypes. Can I tell you that for me, uh, my mother-in-law, Julie Bailey, many of you know Julie and Greg, Julie talks about, she actually preaches this all around the world, it's one of her favourite messages, I think because she has so much fun when she preaches it, but she talks about how when I first started to uh, become interested in Sarah, I did not tick any of the, the stereotypical criteria of what a pastor's uh, kid would marry, right? They, uh, Sarah's eldest sister married a pastor's kid, and so Greg and Julie presumed that God would have another pastor's kid for their, uh, for their, for the prophet's daughter, right? And so I probably uh, broke all of the criteria. But can I tell you, all right, I'm definitely not perfect, but I honestly believe that one of the reasons why uh, God has enabled me to. Uh, Marry Sarah, and I was able to to win her heart, and also for God to allow me to partner with such an amazing prize that is and continues to be Sarah was then Bailey now power. Amen. Is that my heart was for God, my heart was sold out for God, and I was pressing into God. And uh, there were a lot of times where people looked at me and thought, but look at your past and kind of look at kind of, you know, you're into acting and you're a little bit alternative and kind of, you know, you're a bit expressive and you're a little bit out there. You're not so conservative. You don't kind of always color inside the lines. And can I tell you that God didn't look at those things. God didn't look at the criteria that men would judge us, you and I by, but he looked at the condition of the heart. And I want to say to you that it's, it's, it's so important for you and I to always look at the criteria that God uses to make choices about who he's going to position and where he's going to position, particularly when you're walking out your destiny. I think the reason why it can get messy is because sometimes we're doing so much to please the people around us, but we're forgetting to focus on the priority, and that is pleasing God, focusing on what pleases God, and it starts with the condition of our heart. 
David was a man in love with God. And he was a man who was in love with, with the Word of God. Uh, he, he really focused on wanting to align his life to the Word of God. He wasn't perfect. We know that he made mistakes. David's story is interesting because uh, he was favored by God, but he made lots of mistakes. He had, he had moments where he allowed sin to really flood into his life, but then he had a repentant heart and God turned around. So David really is such a balanced story of uh, victory, but also grace, being faithful with a little, at times being unfaithful with things. And, and so it, it's a perfect example of a human being who's trying to walk out this thing called uh, the destiny of God, but not being perfect himself. And so uh, can I say this? I think our ultimate destiny is to become more and more like Jesus. And I think that uh, we complicate that because we think it's about what we're doing. But I think when you, when you, when you think about the principle that you, who you hang around is who you become. Who you hang around is who you become. If you keep hanging around Jesus, if you keep spending quality time with him, hanging out in his word, worshipping with him with spirit and truth, not worrying about what people, how people see you or perceive your worship, not worrying about how you look when you're worshipping here in a congregational moment, not looking at how you express your worship on social media, but between you and God, how you worship the Lord. I can I tell you, if you hang out with God, you're going to become more like Him. If you chase after God, if you pursue God, if you get into His Word, His Word will become a mirror to your identity and it will start to shape you and form you. And these are some of the most ultimate keys to walking out your destiny because the condition of your heart will be shaped and transformed if you spend more time with the one that created the heartbeat inside of you. Amen? And so I don't think that this is necessarily a brand new revelation, but I feel over the next two weeks, we want to keep refining in this to realign and to reappropriate to the things of God, that we become more like Jesus. I think that our focus needs to be about becoming more like Jesus rather than our focus needs to be about just pursuing a, a lofty dream. Now, when I say a lofty dream, what I'm saying is I believe that when we make Jesus the pursuit and not the dream itself of our life the pursuit, that hanging out with Jesus anchors us to the ground and keeps us humble. And that's one of the keys for the dream to actually come to pass. The Word of God says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else shall be added unto you. It doesn't say, seek first your God dream and everything else will be added unto you. No, it says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Who is his righteousness? That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the righteousness of God. And when we pursue him and we give our heart to him on a daily, repeated, habitual uh, focus, that means that we are right before God. We are saved because we're in relationship with the one who is righteous, who makes us right, not by our works, but because of the works on the cross. Through him, we are made right by God. And so there's seven brothers at this feast, but David is not there because he's the half-brother and he's out the back. In fact, he wasn't even invited. See, the message from Samuel to Jesse was, we're going to have a feast. I don't need to have an important meeting. I mean, imagine if there's this important meeting and you're not even invited. He's just out the back, tending to his sheep. And I think what's critical here is a, a, a couple of principles that we're going to look at. First of all, in the, in, the, in the scripture, when we look at the beginning, it says, God says to Samuel, how, how long will you mourn for Saul? I think that principle, again, I feel to say that we've been talking a lot about this a lot, but when it comes to going into your destiny, uh, we're going to talk about the importance of not being invited to things at times, practically what that means. 
But before we even go there, one of the part of this scripture in chapter 16 is it says to Samuel, stop mourning about Saul. And I think one of the things that blocks our destiny is, again, we get so focused and upset and disappointed that we allow that disappointment to hold on to us and we don't just let it go so we can focus on the new thing that God is doing. I believe every Sunday it would be fruitful if I always preached one point on let go of the past. And the past is not just 10 years ago. The past is last week. Sometimes you may be holding on to something that took place last week that disappointed you. Process it. Learn from it. But let go of the root of that disappointment that might try to entrench you and stop you from starting a profitable beginning of next week. Can I say let go of the past. Let go of things. This is not easy for us to learn, is it, church? But we have to let go of stuff. We have to just let it go. We're holding on to stuff. Holding on to those burdens. Holding on to that discipline. Holding on to it in our heart. And then it causes us sometimes not to be motivated to spend time with God. And so he said to Samuel, how long are you going to mourn? Because Samuel was disappointed with the outcome of Saul. That Saul was becoming obviously not a great king of Israel. And Samuel probably felt responsible because he had something to do with kind of participating in the ordainment of of Saul. And so he was mourning. He was in disappointment. And so God said, how long? How long? How long? How long are you going to keep mourning? And so then he gets over his mourning and he starts to uh, travel to the house of Jesse and he gets to the house and he needs to have a check with Jesse. But only seven out of the eight sons get invited. David didn't know that he wasn't invited. David didn't even know about it. Can I say this to you? Now, I don't think this is just for young people. Because I don't think only young people are on Instagram or Facebook. I think most people are on social media. But can I say this? One thing that will start to eat away or kill your destiny is be very careful on focusing on what you're not invited to. On social media, what party you're not invited to, what thing you're not invited to, what post someone didn't tag you on, or did tag you on, or they tagged that person but they didn't tag that person. What does that mean? Can I tell you this? If you can keep getting distracted, and if you're gonna if you're gonna base your identity on what people are doing towards you or not towards you on social media, it will be a destiny killer because you'll go into the toxicity of comparison. Can I say to you young people or young at heart people, be very careful on focusing on what you weren't invited to. It's called obsessive comparison. Because a lot of the times, there'll be things that you're not invited to for a reason because there might be an environment or there might be something at that particular event that actually isn't going to be fruitful for you. So just trust God. Alright? Who believes that's true? Good. Focus on God and focus on what He wants you to do. The Bible doesn't, again, tell us to seek, say, seek after the acceptance of all of your friends. Seek after all of the invitations. Seek after the popular vote. Seek after the most likes on a post. Seek after the best filtered photo on Instagram. It's so funny because we kind of go, ha ha. <laughs> But the reality is, it's like, <laughs> chase after God. We had a minister here, Chevrolet Franklin, 
And she was here ministering. She was singing last night. Can I tell you, there was a shift in the atmosphere. In the moment that she started to just stop singing with her gift, that was obviously amazing. Like, I was sitting there going, wow. Uh, I was blown away because I knew it was going to be good, but I didn't realize how amazing she was. And I'm sitting there going, wow, this, 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 this woman is like international standard in singing, like blowing me away, right? And, uh, and I'm sitting there, and then she starts to uh, talk about her story. And then she gets into the reality check that she, in fact, was chosen to be, by the music industry, the next, you can see how big I'm in music because I'm going to get the name wrong, not the next Beyonce, but the next, uh, what's the lady from the Caribbean? Thank you, Rihanna. You can tell I'm not that much into Rihanna. God bless you, Rihanna. She was chosen to be the next Rihanna, Okay. She's from Jamaica, uh, Chevrolet Franklin, who performed here last night at Touching the Father's Heart music concert. For those of you who didn't know, we had a music concert here last night, and I was uh, enjoying I got to um, co-dance with uh, Pastor Sandy. We were kind of doing some uh, Jamaican moves. She was a lot better than I was. Uh, amen. But she, uh, the, the, the artist shared how she was uh, chosen to be the next Rihanna. Uh, she was in New York. She was in hotels. She had limos, she had a personal stylist, she had a personal uh, professional trainer to get get her to stay in shape. She had everything. They had her branding, they had everything. Um, They were about to, uh, they had produced this whole song, and they had this massive music concert, uh, like over 100,000 people or something, she was telling me, in the the stadium uh, for this this song. And it had been fully rehearsed, she had all of the... Uh, the assistant uh, singers here, and they had all of their, their gear on, and she, the MC announced it, and announcing one of the upcoming world-shaking artists of the future, blah, 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 and out she comes. And what people didn't realize is that just a song before, there was a support artist who was singing uh, a song uh, about Jesus and about worshiping Jesus. That was kind of like a gospel song. And in that moment backstage, before she was about to have her world-opening moment, God said this to her. He said, I want your heart now. And in that moment, she was like, she said, God, I want to give you my heart, but just not now. Let me have my moment. Let me have my time. So sometime later, God, I'll give you my heart, but just not now. Let me have my moment. Let me have my time. So she made that decision backstage. And as she came out on stage, she walked out and she approached. Her heart was like a wall. And it got to this point where she had to stop the keyboardist. She had to stop the back of singers. And she said this. She said this to the crowd in this one moment. She said, from today, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. In front of this amazing field stadium. She said, from today, I'm going to serve Jesus Christ. And she said, so we're not going to sing the song that was prepared. And then she had to look to the people and she said, I don't know if you know this song. Now, how many are people who are at the concert? What was the song that she sang? It was about the silver and gold. Do you know it? Okay, all right. So I think Pastor Sandy might be here somewhere. But if you are Pastor Sandy, how many are here? But I'm not good on music. But it was a gospel song. It was something like... um, Silver and gold uh, is is not my focus, but uh, 
Jesus Christ is, is my focus, something like that. It was like a gospel song. And she sang this and she rocked the stadium. And she said that there were people crying. She said there were people flooded to the front asking for prayer. And it was just such a powerful. She said that she unlocked her destiny because she responded to the call of God. And she said, she said this. Last night she said this. She said that she believes that there are so many people, even who are in church life, who before other people will worship God, but in their heart, they're still saying, God, not just not yet. God, I, I, I want to worship the idea of you, but I don't want to really give you all of my life right now. I just want to live a little bit first. So a little bit later. A little bit later. And I want to say to you that that testimony, it brought such a shift to the atmosphere. Because not only did you have an incredibly gifted woman, but she shared her heart, and she shared the vulnerability of her humanity. And can I I tell you that I think every single person, every single person can relate to that story, because I think it's about the battle to win your heart. Do you know that there's a battle ongoingly to win your heart? And how we respond to that battle in alignment to the Word of God, is that God asks us to worship Him and to worship Him alone. And I believe that this is the key to unlock our destiny. I believe that when we learn to actually worship God, now we don't have to be perfect, but when we learn to give our life fully to God. Does that mean that you can't have fun? No. Everyone everyone knows, if you know me pretty well, you know I like to have fun. You know I like to not take things too seriously. Have a, a joke, even more than a joke, a cack. Let's take it further. I like to have a cack attack, right? Uncontrollable, on the ground, Zara's, you know, and we're just having fun, right? But there is something about God saying, hey, there's a key to your heart, and I think we can learn something from David here. And so he was one out of eight, and, uh, you know, what's interesting is we can make sense of of where we are now. So when when it comes to David's illustration here, we can make sense of it and apply it to our life because uh, David was not a crowd follower. Uh, David was not just someone who wanted to just be a member of the team and just uh, just just follow along. Uh, he was someone who wanted God and he wanted the things of God and he chased after God. It was about him being prepared to be king. Part of his preparation to be king, part of his preparation for his destiny was that he wasn't a crowd follower. He wasn't someone that just did something because that's what someone, everyone else does around them. He, 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 was, he was intrinsically being prepared for his destiny because God was saying, is this someone, is this someone before me who cares less about what other people think of them and cares more about what I think of them? That was a key that God was looking for. Because a king must make decisions sometimes alone. And sometimes those decisions have to be unpopular. To be a king in your own life, because you know that your God is called Jesus, the king of kings. That means he's a king of you and he wants you and he says that you're called to be a king. Now that's not you know, appropriate to sex to that in terms of male. All men and women are called to be kings in the army of God. Who believes that? So we're talking about a sense of victory, a sense of inheritance, a sense of rulership. You are a king under the king of kings, and 
That means that you have to, uh, at times, make decisions that are about you ruling and reigning in life under the anointing of God, under the principle of God, see the promises of God manifest in your life. And so you have to make certain decisions that sometimes in your own heart is not popular because it might be doing something that's obeying God's word but disobeying the thoughts or the feelings of your flesh. But sometimes you're going to have to make decisions that aren't popular around the people in your workplace. You're going to have to make uh, decisions that aren't necessarily popular with your children. If you're a parent, come on now. Decisions lead to choices which lead to habits, which is all about this pathway of destiny. And I believe that God today wants to encourage us that when we actually pursue after Him, when we really give Him our life, it means that it prepares us to do life well. It prepares us to do life where we can make wise decisions because we're ultimately starting with the wisest decision we could make, and that is to actually make God first. At times... David as king had to be isolated and feeling rejected. He, he didn't necessarily, he wasn't able to lean on all of the people around him. He sometimes felt like he was alone in his leadership, in his making of decisions that weren't popular. And so I think at times we've got to understand that if we learn to make a decision for God and put God first in our life, that will sometimes cause us to feel rejected by people around us who have more worldly values. That will sometimes make us feel like we're limited, but can I tell you, it will unlock the thing that God has for you. It is part of God's training and was part of God's training for David. And so Samuel's there, and he passes by all of these seven kids of Jesse that are all tall and handsome and olive. And his natural heart is like, well, all of these guys would have been all right, wouldn't they? And God's no, no. No, no, no. And he gets the end, he's like, well, what the heck is going on? And he, I mean, can you imagine saying, well, he turns to Jesse and goes, do you have any other children? What are they hiding? And then Jesse goes, oh, yeah, the one that I haven't invited. The one that I haven't even considered would be a part of this discussion. Yeah, he's at the back there somewhere looking after the sheep. You know my David, right? The red-faced short one. Yeah, all right, I'll go and get him. So Jesse brings David in. And as soon as Samuel sees David, God says to Samuel, the prophet, he says, that's the one. That is the next king of Israel that I want you to anoint. And so Samuel anoints David. The anointing all pours over him. He declares upon him, his destiny upon him. And can I declare before you that you have a destiny in God? Can I say to you that there is an anointing on you? Can I say that even though you may not be the perfect stereotype that the world would say that you're called to have a destiny, that you're called to have an impact? Can I tell you that even the insecurities that are secretly in your heart that God wants you to say, turn that opposition into opportunity because God says it's your heart that I focus on it's not your appearance it's not the level of your gift it's not the exuberance of your personality it's your heart pursue me and chase after me and God says that's what I want to focus on so I want to say to you that no matter where you're at you have a destiny you have a calling there's an anointing upon you and God says before you 
It's time for you to step in the new place of revelation of your destiny that starts with your heart towards God. Is anyone getting anything from this this morning? Good. Can I say to you, sometimes when you chase after God and you press into God, at times it feels lonely. At times it feels isolated. At times it can feel like I was watching, uh, I had some late night uh, UK calls, coaching calls, I think it was a Wednesday night, maybe it was Thursday night, I can't remember. And uh, I was so buzzed because I had two coffees and I'd done like five hours of coaching calls to the UK and they'd finish at like midnight. And I get off my last Skype call and I'm like, <laughs> and Sarah's up, he's asleep, the kids are asleep and I'm, you know, down in the office going, <laughs> Anyway, I open my phone, I open Facebook, and I flick down, and there's this old-school YouTube video of Catherine Kuhlman. Has anyone here heard of Catherine Kuhlman before? Now, I'd heard of Catherine Kuhlman, kind of a very well-respected female minister who had a a well-renowned ministry because she was uh, quite different in her style and approach, but also had an anointing for miracles and, and amazing wonders that took place when she ministered. And uh, she was also known because she, she tended to always wear a white dress, right? And uh, so I heard about Catherine Coleman, and there was just something about this video. I hadn't even played it yet. And I thought, oh, Catherine Coleman. I've always heard about Catherine Coleman. And it was like a 40-minute sermon from Catherine Coleman. And it was, had this interesting tagline, like the, the secret that I want to unfold. And I kind of just started pressing play. And to be honest with you, I thought I was going to watch for about three or four minutes and then go to bed. Well, 35 minutes in, I'm like, I'm still watching this. I was intrigued. One, because she was so so theatrical. Like, I thought, maybe I'm a bit theatrical. Man, she is theatrical. Like, it was, but it was kind of old school. Like, she would do this whole, um, so, what I'd like to say to all of you is, holy spirit wants to put his finger on something. And it was just like, because I've got an acting background, I was like, what? She's really intense. And it's full on, but you could tell she was really authentic. I mean, she made this comment about how she was doing like a leadership event at the end of a conference. And uh, she was saying how her sister was sitting in a row at the conference and she was doing her thing preaching the conference. And someone who'd never seen her preach before was making some comment behind her sister's row saying, wow. Because Catherine's a bit theatrical, isn't she? And the sister turns around and goes, that's my sister Catherine, and she's always been like that. And so anyway, so Catherine was highlighting how, uh, you know. Anyway, the, her whole message was, she was saying, so many people around the world, oh, Catherine, Catherine, the anointing and the miracles, and oh, 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 wow, 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 like this. And she, she was just talking to ladies, and she goes, can we just get real for a second? And they're like, yeah. And she's like, it's still in a theatrical style. And she said, can I tell you, the one thing that I've learned is when you pursue after God, it will cost you. And she said, when you make God your pursuit, not only will it cost you, but you'll also learn one thing. And she said this. She said, there's one thing that I could teach you today. One thing in my chasing after God himself, one thing that would help to set you free today 
is to know this. She said, firstly, know this, that people, not God, but people are fickle. Now, what was she saying? She was saying, one week people will love you, and the next they may not. One month, people will adore you. And the next week, they might think, "Eh." Mm. She said people will exactly like that to Jesus himself. One moment, they were worshipping him as he came into the city on a donkey. And they were palming him with palms. But palming him with palms. They were waving him with palms. (laughs) And yet, the next moment, they were standing down on the ground as he was up on a cross, saying, crucify him. The same people. Now, she wasn't being overly negative about human humanity, and she wasn't saying she didn't believe in the ability for people to be positive and to do well. What she was saying, though, is a starting point. She said, the one thing that will stop you in being captivated in pursuing the heart of God is if you put faith in pursuing the heart of people. And she said, know this, what will set you free is that you will always be disappointed when you pursue the heart of people before the heart of God. Because she said one thing she's known and learned about chasing after God is God is not fickle. God is faithful. And then she said this. She said one of her favorite scriptures in the Bible is actually... Saying to God, God, I want to be the apple of your eye. Meaning, God, I want to spend so much time with you and be intimately connected with you that you would look at me and you would favor me because I'm intimately connected with you and I spend time with you. And uh, can I tell you, you know, uh, the way she preached wasn't necessarily kind of my style. I wouldn't usually watch a Catherine Coleman video every, every day. But that's not the point. The point is, is that a woman who's obviously in close relationship with Jesus, she learned two lessons. One of them is if you keep wishing to be really having your identity anchored about what people think of you or how much praise they give you and how much they love you, right? Can I even say that if you're married here today, you need to pursue the heart of God before you pursue the heart of your husband or your wife. Because if you make the pursuit of the heart of your husband or your wife before God, you will be disappointed because they undeniably, at the end of the day, are just human. And their fickleness will disappoint you, and your fickleness will disappoint them to remove disappointment as a thing that will prevent you from walking in your destiny. Put your trust in your pursuit of God. Put your faith in God. Focus on God. Don't focus on winning the hearts of people before winning the heart of your God. This is what David did well at times. He sometimes fell, but he did well at times. And so David received four things that day. Chris, have you got my phone there? No, brother, here we go. Because last week I apologized in advance. Uh, Chris, I'm going to ask you to pass me your phone. Is that okay? My phone's just gone dead. Or someone can pass me an accurate. My watch is habitually running late. And so for those people who were here last Sunday, I apologize because my 
watch was 15 minutes behind time, and I thought I was right on time finishing my sermon. Sure. Sure. <laughs> I love you, Deb. Because you're real. I like that about you. Who loves Deb? Yeah, she's a winner. So is a hubby Gaff. Yeah. A great couple. <laughs> and I'm being honest. That, good. All right. So David received, when he was anointed that day, he received four things. This is what I want to finish with. Four things that day as part of the DNA of his destiny. And the anointing was poured out. Can I say to you that when the anointing pours out over your life, that in that anointing there are these four things as well. But it's about us getting the revelation. The anointing is not always a feeling. The anointing is the commissioning of you into the thing that God has planned for you. The anointing is given to you as not only a declaration that God has appointed you to something and as a part of a portion of God's plan, but that he has anointed you, meaning he has empowered you, he's enabled you through that anointing. The anointing actually is like an affirmation of attaching your identity to the God-given destiny that God has for you. So it's an important thing. And uh, four things that David received. One, he received permission. Everyone say permission. He received permission to pray, to dream, to believe, to go after, to stop comparing himself, to stop the second doubt, second thinking himself, or, or double-mindedness, or doubting himself. He received permission to believe that he had a destiny. Can I tell you that when you draw close to God and he affirms your identity and he always is repeatedly uh, commissioning you and saying your destiny, your favor, keep going, I love you, I'm for you, I'm with you, keep going, you're called by me, I've called you out of the world, I've called you into the light, uh, you're not perfect, but by my grace you keep going, you keep moving, you keep growing, you keep moving forward, there's momentum upon you, I've anointed you, I've anointed you, I've equipped you, I've equipped you, I've enabled you, I've enabled you, you are affirmed by me, the God of God, the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, you're a king under my lordship, you're called to rule and reign, you're called to be strong, you're called to be bold, you're called to be brave, you're called to keep going, if you feel the fear, get back up, God says I'm with you, I will never leave you, I'll never forsake you, you are with me, I am with you. I am the head, not the tail. You are the head, not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. You are above and not beneath. God is with you. The anointing of God is always about establishing and reaffirming your identity in Him, that you have a destiny in Him, that you're called to walk with Him. And it gives you permission. It gives you permission. It gives you a green light in your heart to go for it. To be the person that God's called you to be. It gives you permission to enlarge that business. It gives you permission to study that Bible college course. It gives you permission to start that uh, parachurch ministry. It gives you permission to go after the love of your life. When it's God ordained. And to get married. And to start a life together. And have beautiful children. And then those children have beautiful children. Amen. God is good. All the time. Permission. Can I say to you 
One thing that will stop you from walking in your destiny. And I want to say this to you. Your destiny isn't just a one path. It's multiple pathways in multiple seasons. It's not a one-off thing. It is the, the walking out of the plan of God. And sometimes you'll have seasons where you'll feel there's a setback. But can I tell you, when you give yourself permission, you'll turn the setback into a setup for the next season to walk forward, to walk uh, uh, along the path that God has for you. Give yourself permission. Something that will stop you is when you keep telling yourself you're not allowed. I'm not allowed. I've shared openly before that sometimes one of my biggest battles when I came into the things of God is I felt that God had called me to business, that God had called me to consulting, to coaching. And I shared this with a couple of people, their hearts, and they said to me, but you haven't got any experience. Being yourself with that dream. Sounds a little bit like the brothers with Joseph, right? And every time I spend time with God, God's like, I have called you to business. And there was a moment where I was thinking, well, maybe Anne, I'm just thinking too big. Maybe, maybe I, I need to just get over myself. And maybe God's not really on this. God's not really for this. But I broke through that because God said to me when I spent time with him in his word, he said, go for it. I give you permission. You're anointed. You're destined. Do it. Give yourself the green light. A lot of times God's giving us the green light and we're still thinking it's a red light. (laughs) Or it's an orange light. Like... Now, it's important to practice the principle of getting wise counsel. But the Bible says wise counsel. Right? Not just people's opinions. Who knows that there are people's opinions that they give them and they're not even asked for? And some of those people who like to give their opinions and they're not asked for are really quite naturally highly persuasive. And so there can be a sting behind that opinion. And it can kind of knock you and feel like, oh... Maybe I shouldn't be giving myself permission. That's why we've got to pursue God. Because God has the right agenda for you. And he will affirm. Seek after God's counsel. And seek after some wise counsel. To balance that as well. But make sure that it's wise. Number two. Perspective. Everyone say perspective. When Samuel anointed David that day, it gave him perspective. What do I mean by perspective? In that moment, it taught David that everything in my life hasn't been perfect, but there's now perspective. You know, something I recently, I think at the beginning of this week, I I posted on Facebook something like I just felt to start encourage people with, with a week, it's just a general a post saying, uh, you know, sometimes the things that you're going through are actually part of the plan to position you for your destiny. And it gave David perspective. Because <clears throat> what we're going to understand is, is that, you know, David uh, was out there tendering the sheep. He was forgotten about. He wasn't invited. But in doing what he was doing, 
he got perspective because he was faithful with the things that he was entrusted with. He actually cared about the sheep. And when there was a bear that came to attack the sheep, he defended the sheep and he pushed back the bear. He had a victory. He had a battle that he went through. He was going through stuff, but he got over that battle. He eventually won that thing and he proved faithful and that gave him a sense of confidence and that gave him perspective. But also, probably being the runt of the litter, being the half-brother, not feeling like he actually aligned to the criteria of uh, what the world would say, it probably humbled him in a good way to actually want to press into God, to actually want to focus on God. Can I say this? That it gives you perspective when you're anointed and when you're appointed, it gives you perspective of why have you gone through the things that you've gone through? Why are you going through the things that you're going through? Because sometimes the things that you're going through are preparation for the, the, the future and the influence that God has for you in the next season. It gives you perspective. It gives you the ability to see the God evil point perspective on the situation. And when you can have the God perspective, it gives you the motivation and the encouragement to keep going and to keep breaking through. Perspective. Number three, power. The anointing. The affirmation of God. When you know that the God of gods is for you and with you, you actually have an ability to start to tap into the power of God. Meaning, when you believe that there is a destiny before you and that God not only has given you a perspective to understand that everything that's gone on now is preparing for that, but also it gives me permission. When you pull on the anointing, can I tell you, you get a sense of there's a sense of enablement. There's a sense of confidence. There's a sense of ability. It's a supernatural thing that comes upon you. Can I tell you, there's been times when I've walked into situations and without God, I've felt absolutely inadequate. But I prayed and I said, God, enable your power to be activated within me today for this situation. God, I cannot do this in my own strength. God, I need your power. I need your anointing. I need your enabling power to get this done. I need you, God. Activate the anointing of God within me. Activate the power of God within me. And I start to walk out of that place, into that boardroom, into that situation. And there's an ability on my natural ability that surpasses what I could have done. And it gets results. Can I tell you? Have you ever been in a situation that seems stressful, but beforehand, rather than just going in and running into it, you just take a moment to prepare with your God and say, God, I need your power in this situation. Can I tell you, if you can create that as a habit, it takes faith, but you've got to step into that place and be prepared because God wants you to be prepared when you go into situations. One of the greatest things that can prepare you is a revelation of the activation of the power of God upon you. Power. Number four, passion. Everyone say passion. passion. I'm going to ask uh, Shanana or Jason to come to come to a close. Just to make sure, Chris, that our cafe team know we're starting. Yep, at the time. Good. Thank you. Passion. One thing that will happen to you when you sense that God is affirming you, and I want everyone to eyeball me. 
in a positive way, not in a scary way. Holly knows my eyeballing. No, in a positive way. Right? I think one of the biggest keys to DNA of destiny is care. What do I mean? You've actually got to care about what you're called to do. I think one of the quickest signs that something's not quite right on your pathway is when you stop caring. You start getting apathetic. You lose interest. I call it the whatever attitude. Oh, whatever. David cared. David wanted to discover God. And David cared about the thing that God entrusted to him. I believe that this morning, as we come to a close, God wants to get us to focus on two two keys. And that is this. Sometimes, in your moments of frustration, your moments of feeling rejected, your moments of loneliness, your moments of isolation, they can be some of the most strategic moments. Because when you look at David, they're the moments that he discovered God. He went out into the fields, and he worshipped God and he wrote songs to God. And he studied the word of God. And he built a heart after God. Not in the good times. In the moments of rejection and loneliness and not feeling like he was really recognized or utilized. The run to the litter. He built a discovery of God in those Moments. But the other thing that God looked at was the care factor that David had. There's going to be times where you're going to be tempted for your disappointment to make you feel apathetic towards what you're doing. But God will, will, will want to watch and see do you still have a care factor? Do you still care? Do you know that King Saul was all about himself? The funny thing is because David had a heart for God, it helped him, it shielded him from being apathetic. He still cared about what God had in front of him. And the irony is the moment we start to become apathetic, we start to become disinterested in what we're doing in this season. It can then start to let go, go down the path of being less faithful with what we've been given. 
The quickest way to turn that around is just to hang out with God again. I believe this morning God wants to encourage us to press into Him in a new way, but strategically to dispose of apathy. Everyone close your eyes, bow your heads as we just do business with God this morning and come to a close. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the example of David in your word. And I thank you, Lord, we're going to go deeper next Sunday. Today, we want to do business with you. And we pray, Lord, that you would help every heart in this place that's been under this word today. Lord, to be encouraged, to focus on chasing after your heart. And I thank you, Lord, that as we chase after your heart and we spend time with you, Lord, it helps the conditioning of our heart. And it helps us, Lord, to stay focused and stay faithful with what we have. And Father, that is the criteria that you look for to helping people to walk out their destiny. Father, where people need to make a change or adjustment in their heart, help them to do that. But Lord, we thank you, Father, that the root of this word, Lord, would bring fruit. And Lord, it would bring change where necessary. Lord, we love you. We worship you. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the focus and all the honor today in Jesus' mighty name. Everyone said amen. Again, let's finish with some praise offering.